0: May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Today's Gospel is perhaps the ultimate Lenten story. I say this for several reasons, perhaps most obviously because it anticipates the events of Easter. Lazarus dies lies in a tomb, and then comes to life again, just as Jesus will in two weeks' time. The parallels are striking, down to the fact that there are women grieving in both stories, including a woman named Mary, who need a man, in this case Jesus, to roll away the stone and reveal the truth. It's enough to make you wonder why didn't the Marys in the Easter story expect a miracle like this? Another reason why this is the ultimate Lenten story, though, is because according to John, it sets into motion the very events of Holy Week. People see Lazarus and have one of two very different reactions. As we hear at the end of today's passage, many of the Jews who had come with Mary and seen what Jesus did believed in him. What we don't hear is the conclusion to the story, quoting from John, but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what he had done. So from that day on, they planned to put him to death. In John's gospel, it is the resurrection of Lazarus that makes the Jewish priests most fearful. They worry that people will believe in Jesus and that because they have new faith, they will be empowered to challenge injustice. These, Roman, these authorities then worry that the Roman authorities will come and crush them. And so for this reason, Lazarus's triumph over death leads almost directly to Jesus' own. Finally, though, the reason I call this the ultimate Lenten story is because it is a story about the distance people have from God and their reconciliation with God. And that is what Lent is all about in its essence. It is about that moment when we realize that we are not where God wants us to be and strive to reconnect. Lent is about realizing that we are human and that God loves us exactly as we are. And that is what I see when I look at today's gospel, Jesus reaching out with love, reconciliation, and healing to everyone in this story. So who are you in this story? Are you one of the disciples following Jesus but never quite sure what he's talking about? They couldn't understand him then, after all, and they were right there with him. How can we be expected to understand him today? Or are you one of the other disciples, the ones ready to follow Jesus but afraid about where it might lead? Jesus wants to lead them back to Judea where they had already tried to stone him. Where is Jesus calling us? And what frightening risks does he expect us to take? Are you, Mary, grieving the death of a loved one? We've had a lot of funerals at St. Paul's in the last month. A lot of death, a lot of grief. Or maybe you're grieving something else. The departure of a child. The ending of a relationship, perhaps. The sudden realization that things may not turn out as you had hoped. In the midst of grief, you struggle with faith. God is good, you tell yourself. God can heal and end suffering. If he were here, things wouldn't be this way, said Mary. So where is he now? Perhaps your grief is more like Martha's, sure of God, but also quite sure of the laws of nature. Afraid to risk opening the tomb for fear of the stench. Unwilling to hope for a miracle because of the risk of disappointment. Standing at the threshold, afraid to cross. Are you one of the crowd filled with cynicism? Having seen disappointment after disappointment? Wanting to stay on the fringes where it's safe? Where you can see Jesus, but don't have to interact? Where things don't change, so they don't get worse, but they also don't get better? Ready for a spectacle, but not wanting to be taken in? Or are you Lazarus himself, waiting for a miracle? Killed by the ways of this world, tied and bound down, and waiting for release? Or do you find the reading from Ezekiel even more appropriate? Wandering in the midst of the valley of dead bones and despair with no hope anywhere in sight? cut off from God, nothing to see but ruin everywhere you look. All of these individuals are as real now as they were then. Perhaps you find them even more so. Today we go through the world and we may encounter lots of people who do not share our beliefs or do not live them out as we do. Faith seems so much riskier now than it did then. We seem more alone. God seems less present, which makes professing our faith or acting on it seem all the more absurd. And it makes loss seem all the more meaningless. So, who are you in these stories? Or maybe the better question is who is God? Whoever you are, Jesus is there and he has news for you, good news in fact. If you are in the midst of the valley of dry bones, take heart, says Jesus, for God has heard your cry and though you may not feel it, God is with you. That is, after all, the very meaning of Jesus' name, Emmanuel. God is with us. We need not wait for God to breathe. We need only to breathe and know that God is here, wherever we are. If you feel dead, bound up in the ways of this world, take heart. For Jesus says that there is more to life than what this world has to offer. And so Jesus calls us to break free of the things that bind us to death. And step into that world that offers us life. If you are part of the crowd, that ever-growing, ever-more cynical crowd, take heart. Because Jesus calls us to be authentic, to be real, and to be honest. To admit our fears, the fear that we will be let down, the fear that we will be shown up. Admit them, because God hears you always from the midst of the crowd. He knows that you desire something more. And God will provide if you but trust in him. If you are Martha, strong in faith but realistic in outlook, take heart. For Jesus will not be held back by your trepidation when you are ready to venture forth to roll back the stone that keeps you from acting, Jesus will be there to help. And if you are, Mary, wondering why God has allowed bad things to happen and left you bereaved, take heart. For Jesus hears you and understands. He cries with you and does not judge you for your tears. But he knows that better things are coming too, even when you cannot see them. He sees your faith and understands your frustration. If you are a disciple following Jesus but fearful about where he's going, take heart. For Jesus understands your fears but encourages you to do more. Because the raising of Lazarus tells us that God can do more than we can imagine. He can burst our reality. The raising of Lazarus is the promise of a new and different world. So when the world f- seems gloomy and filled with sorrow and death, Jesus promises that there is something better beyond the horizon. We need not fear or doubt. But the people who witnessed the raising of Lazarus remind us that we are all too human. That grief, fear, and doubt are all part of the human condition. And Jesus understands. Jesus feels it too. He prays that we will overcome it. But he understands why it bogs us down. So today, of all of the people in the gospel, I'm going to encourage you to be like Lazarus, to take a look at what ties you to the world of death and destruction. Is it a job or a school system that forces you to view others as competitors rather than companions? Is it a culture that teaches you to fear those who are different or hate them rather than reaching out to bridge that divide? Is it a relationship that values people based on how they perform or what they do rather than who God created them to be? After Lazarus was raised from the dead, Jesus had two words, unbind him. And the religious and political leaders feared the unbound Lazarus. They feared Jesus who could work such miracles because they believed that people would be inspired by unbound Lazarus to go and unbind others. Those who saw the unbound Lazarus believed. They could put their fear, their doubt, and their cynicism behind them just for a moment to imagine the kingdom of God. the people in the Gospel who saw Lazarus raised responded in one of two ways. Some believed and others feared. Some acted out of their newfound faith and others out of their desire to maintain things as they were. Today, we get a foretaste of Easter of the dead brought to life, and a slice of the promise of the kingdom of God. How will we respond? Amen.